0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, a podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and the sound of this podcast will occasionally be interrupted by loud cannons. <laughs> Joining me today is Devinder Hardware. Destiny has brought me the Slickroy <laughs> and Jeff Kanata. Guys, I'm gonna
1: I'm gonna tell you something this week, and once I do, you will always want to hear it. <laughs>
0: Wow! Keep your legs closer. <laughs> <laughs> Those are all vague and oblique references to the fact that today on the podcast we're going to be reviewing Ridley Scott's latest movie, Napoleon, which is out in theaters right now. They'll be available on Apple TV Plus later on. Uh, Divendra, bold to drink Lacroix before, uh, before a podcast. Gotta say, you know, oh, I can um, manage it. I the can carbonation, it. I think, really. As long as it's not an ice to drink. I that's think where, like, yeah. that's what the
1: mute button is for, Dave. Mm, exactly.
0: Mm, well, we know you've never had any mute mishaps, Jeff. You know. So. <laughs> <laughs> <True>. <laughs> anyway, uh, you can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slash at gmail.com and find us across all platforms at the filmcast pod, including on YouTube as well as on TikTok. We're at the filmcast. And of course, if you want to support the podcast, patreon.com slash film podcast is where you can sign up for ad free episodes and exclusive bonus After Darks. This week on the After Dark, we are going to be discussing Emerald Fennell's newest film, Saltburn, which is out in theaters right now. We'll mention it a little bit in what we've been watching. But uh, yeah, if you are a Patreon supporter, you'll get a full spoiler filled review of that movie uh, at patreon.com slash film podcast. So look forward to that. Before we get into our what we've been watching and then our review of uh, Napoleon, I thought I'd see how your guys' Thanksgivings were. Uh, I had a big gathering at my place, a lot of family over. We decided to not do turkey uh, this year because it's a pretty unmanageable, uh, the the amount of work to make it. Why go through that? (laughs) Not worth it. To make it an acceptable meal is just very high, you know? um so uh yeah instead we did you know other proteins including like a steak uh mm-hmm. a you know, steak. Tenderloin and, wow. like a tenderloin you know um and uh and my mom made tonkatsu which is basically fried chicken you know so it's uh some good stuff uh how about you guys do you have a good good thanksgiving
2: yeah. I mean, listen, uh, I, I basically offloaded uh turkey work to my parents this year. Mm. Uh before I used to like to try to experiment and do some dry rubs and interesting stuff. Last year we ordered a smoked turkey from a barbecue joint and hmm. that was really interesting. But I just let my dad do with it and uh we made a roast pork on in my house. So it
0: was Ooh. fun. Nice. How about you, uh, Jeff? Anything exciting? We traveled. Um, we went to
1: Arizona to my mother-in-law's house. Um um and uh she's a phenomenal cook uh just outstanding and I may have mentioned this before uh, I've mentioned on on some podcasts so forgive me if I'm repeating myself but uh she is a genius and uh she does turkey but she does the best turkey I have ever had in that she doesn't cook the whole bird she gets these um, giant slabs of turkey breast meat from Costco
0: yeah yeah you mentioned that yeah ah yeah, oh, yeah.
1: incredible I'm telling you guys it's the best and uh, I was very pleased to be able to eat that but it was a kind of a small gathering it was just the four of us of my family visiting uh, the two of them Um and so it was uh, rather small but it was nice I got to watch the 49ers win on Thanksgiving night which was super fun and uh, we had a kind of a the, the our labor she did all the labor for the cooking which I am grateful for but uh, our labor was the traveling which you know mm-hmm. on traveling on the day before Thanksgiving <laughs> we had a 5 a.m. flight, which means we woke the kids up. At oh man! Two o'clock in the morning, and
2: uh, I'm so sorry, Jeff.
1: Yeah, it was intense, but uh. actually it wasn't. You know, relatively smooth considering. I think we were early enough that we missed most of the craziness. But uh, it was, you know, it meant that we got there and we we're just like, "Hey, when's nap time?" <laughs> uh, but it was, it was, it was nice.
0: Awesome. Glad everyone had a, a nice Thanksgiving. Something I was really thrilled to uh tune into was on the Slack uh, over the Thanksgiving weekend, they uh held a little uh trivia tournament. Uh Brandon oh, cool. Tate invited me to uh or mentioned it to me and I I joined um I didn't play. Uh I kind of just observed and it was just lovely to see folks who listen to the podcast kind of in community with each other and playing these fun trivia games which were really amazingly done. I have to give give credit to um both the folks who who came up with all the questions, but one uh, you you guys would have liked some of these categories. Um one of them was explain it like I'm 5 but with AI in explain <laughs> highlighted. So what they did was they they asked ChatGPT to summarize the plots of movies as though you're five years old. Uh, and, and you had to, then you guess, had to guess what guess that movie, the movie was. Yeah, That's so that was clever. pretty cool. And uh, one of my favorite ones was like uh, characters' bedrooms from movies. You know, <laughs> so they just show the bedroom without the character in it, and you'd have to identify the character in the film. Uh, and it just gave me an appreciation for how much work goes into the set dressing of movies. You know, like yeah. you see those, you, you might be in that room for like five to 10 minutes in the movie, but somebody's job it is to think up that whole person's life and mindset you know yeah uh so anyway really well done brandon and everyone else who contributes to that and uh it was just nice to see uh, a lot of listeners kind of hanging with each other uh even when they're not just listening to the pod even when they're not just you know listening to the podcast in sync which is what i assume that happens every week you know i had (laughs) in sync i had everybody press play at once yeah everyone press play at the same time (laughs) right when it comes out at 11 a.m pacific on tuesday mornings Yeah.
1: Yeah, I I had a very similar uh, revelation this this week when my wife and I were watching something that I'll I'll be mentioning in the what we've been watching segment. Uh, my wife uh, turned to me and went, "Oh my god, the the wallpaper in that room is awful," mm. and I went, I, ha- I like went down this rabbit hole immediately after she said that, going. That's intentional. Somebody wanted that reaction from you in mm-hmm. this moment. Yeah. Worked really, off, looked at all awful wallpapers, <laughs> had like six options, you know, wallpapered that set with that, you know, like, I, yeah. it's, it's it's a thing. It's awesome.
0: I didn't know Godzilla's wallpaper was so ugly, Jeff. Oh, uh, you should see. If you think Godzilla's <laughs> wallpaper is ugly, anyway. you should see
1: m- Mothma? <laughs>
0: Mothra Mothra. Mothra That's what I
1: was.
0: I was thinking of Mon I got I, I Mothman. conflated Mothma. Uh. <laughs> One is a Galactic Senator. Yeah. And the other is in Star Wars. Okay, anyway, um, <laughs> so glad everyone had a happy and lovely Thanksgiving. Um, and we appreciate you being with us through the holiday season here on the Filmcast. Let's get into what we've been watching this week. Uh, so, I want to mention, I had a chance to watch a show called Squid Game, The Challenge. Oh my god, David. Yeah, why? I've been inundated <laughs> for the by ads from, for
1: this, and I'm like, oh, I'm sure Dave's going to watch it. Yeah. And sure Wait. enough. <laughs> Netflix saying, sure we have enough. learned nothing from Squid Game.
0: <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, a lot of a lot of disdain dripping from that tone, Jeff. How um, long do you think it took
1: <laughs> <laughs> after Squid Game was a massive international hit for somebody to pitch this show? How long do you think? How many seconds? People passed? were
2: doing Squid Game stuff on YouTube. Don't forget. Yeah, like, wasn't it Mr. Beast or somebody who had like Correct. built Correct. Squid so Game sets? M- yeah,
0: Mr. Beast recreated the entirety of Squid uh, Game. Based. not the entirety, but we are a broken but like, society. But like most, yeah. yeah. we really is. are. Most yeah. of Squid Game. Most of Squid Game. Uh-huh. Uh, and his video, I think. See something were on the order of um I want to say 500 million views uh, a lot of views for videos of people being killed Mr. something re, something really large uh, 537 million views is how many views Holy it received man so that's why he's the king basically the it's going to be more business, successful guys. it's going to be more <laughs> successful than squid game the challenge which is on Netflix uh I don't even think Netflix has 500 million users right now anyway no. um so suffice to say Squid Game the Challenge is a reality TV show that is based off of the South Korean, I guess, horror thriller drama Squid Game, which was a massive success and which we discussed here on the podcast. Also, noted anti-capitalist screed Squid Game. (laughs) That's right. Uh, How do we
1: turn it into a capitalist screed, though? Like, how do
0: we take that anti part and just (laughs) chop it right off? Uh, well, first of all, have it air on Netflix in the first place. Jeff. Yeah, you know, there we go. But, you know, you know, Davindra, here's a here's a, a minor mea culpa. I have to say, like not not mea culpa. This is it's a reconsideration of the mm-hmm. second episode of the British science fiction series Black Mirror uh-huh. called 15 Million Merits. One of my favorites. I think when that episode came out, I was like, oh, this is a little bit low budget. It's a little bit cheesy. Uh, this could so never happen. Spoilers, spoilers for that episode coming up, okay? 15 uh-huh. million merits. But when I saw it, I was like, oh my, oh, and the ending is so on the nose, you know, like that's so on the nose. Because uh f- for those who don't remember what happens at the end of that episode, uh, the main character played by Daniel Kaluuya, mm-hmm. uh gets on TV and and g- basically delivers a really fiery speech while holding a, a knife to his neck, right?
2: It was a broken, broken piece of glass broken that was piece of his glass, image.
0: yeah, 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 and uh he he's like this whole system where you' you know this whole system is you know i'm 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 mad as hell, and I don't have to take it anymore uh-huh. basically is what he says, right, and people watching it were like this this guy's good, this guy this can sell so and real, then, and then yeah. he he basically his character Bing basically becomes um like a popular personality whose shtick it is. To deliver screeds while holding a shard of glass to his neck, mm-hmm. uh, he he becomes basically commodified, uh, and he's now part of the system. Yeah, yes. and that's very—it's virtu- you know, at the time I was like, oh, this is a little bit cheesy, but now I'm like, wow, it's prescient. It's prescient. Listen, basically- reality
2: is not uh, subtle, Dave. <laughs> like right. sometimes things are just like very
0: obviously stupid. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, and I think. I think nothing says that more, Davindra, than Squid Game: The Challenge, which is airing right now on Netflix. Uh, so, Squid Game: The Challenge recreates many of the games to Squid Game. Invites, I think, a little over four hundred participants. Do they find an impossibly
1: tall room to to put a bridge in? <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, they they do. I don't think they do tug of war. If I if I'm aware of that, but they, uh, I haven't watched that far yet. Uh, but they do have, like, the kind of... you know, Remember that bridge that has, like, the panels? That, yeah. Like, yeah, fall? yeah they, So they have that. One of them, sh- they shatter yeah. if you don't they step in the right. They shatter if you yeah. step in the right. Yeah, yeah, they, they have that. Um, and uh, it is presented as a reality show with zero irony. Like, there's no <laughs> self-awareness of the <laughs> fact that, yes, as you said, it's an anti-capitalist screed. Squid Game the original is. It's about the lack of social mobility in South Korean society. Um, It's about, you know, economic inequality. Uh, And this show offers a prize of $4 million to the winner. Uh, And did they
1: select the contestants by showing up (laughs) at their house and asking them if they could slap them for money?
0: (laughs) No, they didn't do that. Uh, But, so i'll just say right off the bat the entire enterprise is invalid because uh-huh. if you're making a reality show with no irony no self-awareness i think that's extremely unself-aware and very uh it makes you look like you don't know what you're doing, I mean, like you you're you can do that. There like there is mindlessly for that. commodifying, you know, and, mm-hmm. and again, I think uh Mr. Beast already you know, he Mr. Beast did it first, right? So I would say uh, like for any reality show,
2: right, there is room to do that. It's because, specifically because it is this show and this whole property the, the idea of people being used as pawns for the rich for entertainment. Um literally like that made real, I think is what's really crushing here.
0: Uh absolutely right, you know uh minor spoilers for Squid Game, but what you find out in that show the original is that uh the reason all this is happening is for the entertainment of out-of-touch elites who are just watching you know from the we're comfort just... of their chairs and have nothing invested in the stakes we're just of...
1: paying 17.99 a month and watching
0: <laughs> <laughs> it puts you, it's a very weird situation because it puts yeah.
2: you the audience indeed yeah. in
0: the position
2: of the villains of the original squid game all, all the 4k subscribers paying extra like we're the worst we're the worst <laughs> <inadvertently>. <laughs> absolutely
0: a hundred percent hundred percent um now i will say a couple things uh one is that there is some some like uh something interesting about seeing like if they can actually recreate the games from squid game like how that would actually work in a reality tv show setting so for yeah, instance,
1: look, I'm yeah. oh, sorry, go ahead. You're going
0: to well, So for instance, like the red light green light, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh they can't shoot people. So everyone Yet. has a little squib, yeah, everyone has a little squib in their chest. That goes off when yeah. they die. Th- and then, those
2: things hurt, by the way. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. It and is then, a projectile that's like, you know, th- that momentum has to go somewhere. Right, it right. Hurts. I saw the uh,
1: ad and I thought they were shooting paintballs at them.
2: That's a little
0: disappointing <laughs> that they have squibs. I yeah, thought it was just, <laughs>
1: like it had to shoot a paintball and hit you with a paintball. That would have been cooler.
0: Yeah. It's a squib and then they they're instructed to fall over. Yeah. And um
1: after they're the so squib goes contrived. Off. It's so <laughs> contrived. It's like yeah. You know the scary part of this thing? Well, we're going to fake that,
0: right? 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 It's like it's it's very different dynamic when people aren't dying. However, uh, they they the contestants treat it deadly seriously. I, sure, I think of course, because you know they're coached they're, well they're coached, and also like there is millions of dollars at stake, and everyone thinks of themselves as the person that's going to win that money. Um, but I'm just going to say the stuff that was most interesting to me. Uh, in the show was the stuff that wasn't actually really in the original uh, TV show. So I'll just give you like one or two examples real quick. So there's one game in Squid Game, the original show, where everyone needs to choose, uh, like everyone chooses one of these shapes and then they receive a honeycomb that they need, and, and a needle and they need to like pick out the shape, you know, in the honeycomb. Do You remember this, right? Like the, yeah, yeah. They need to pick out mm-hmm. the shape like by putting like, a ton of tiny little holes in the honeycomb. This was uh, a
1: very culturally specific game.
0: <laughs> absolutely. Correct, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and when they were ch- in the show, when they're choosing the shape, they don't know why they're choosing the shape. Like, why would you choose an umbrella? Why would you choose a circle, whatever? Like, they don't know what the reason is. And it's like, oh, the reason is you're going to be given a honeycomb that you need to, like, pick out using a needle. And yeah. then, of course, that would shape which one you choose, right? Right. And the it, the
1: shape. some people pick shapes that are impossibly difficult to do in a honeycomb. And right, right, right. Ha, so, ha, you screwed yourself.
0: So in the show, there's actually a really interesting dynamic. So that basically, in the show, it's the same thing. There's a big wall where there's the four shapes. They are a circle, a triangle, uh, a star, and an umbrella, right? And the umbrella is like the most freaking hardest one. Like you don't want the umbrella because it is really hard to pick an umbrella out of a honeycomb, right? And so they send four people from the four different teams into this room. And they say, you need to choose which shape your team is going to handle. And the decision must be unanimous. Right? So, of course, three people choose like you know, the, the circle, the triangle, the star. And then the fourth person is like, I'm not going to choose the umbrella. I'm not going to doom my whole team to choosing the umbrella. Right? The time is up. All four contestants are like, you have not come to a decision. Therefore, all four of them are eliminated from the tournament, right? So then the next group of people comes in, and then it's like, it's basically like a battle of wills. Like, we're all going to die, or like one of you needs to choose the umbrella, basically. You know what I'm saying? Does it make sense what I'm describing? Yeah. And that's like an interesting dynamic that was like completely absent from the original show. Right, because in this case,
1: they know the purpose of choosing. That's right. Whereas in the show, they did not know.
0: Right, and so knowing yeah. the game from the show right. does change the dynamics, and I think the show does do something to play with that and to make that interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't think it's worth watching. I think it's just it's kind of makes me sad about humanity, but I'm just saying it's not completely devoid of any merit whatsoever. So uh, slap that on the box. Um, it's not completely devoid of any merit whatsoever. And, and if you are in, interested in just like seeing how the things are recreated. Uh, there is some value in that. The one thing I felt bad about is y- you realize, like in Squid Game, in the first game, ha- like roughly half the contestants are eliminated, yeah, and then in the second game, like roughly half the contestants, are- and so on and so forth. But they have to build crew quarters that can accommodate the number of people after the first game. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. you're building like a thing with a set that has like 400 or you know 300 people in it. And then you know that literally the next day half of those people are going to be gone. It's just like such a, I was just like, wow, that must be really a massive waste and and potentially demoralizing, you know? Can no Uh, one think
1: of the oppressive shape-faced rulers? (laughs) Exactly
0: right. (laughs) Can no one think of the tools of the oppressors (laughs) who are are constructing these quarters? Anyway, Squid Game the Challenge. Uh, I would recommend it for no one. It's on Netflix right now. (laughs) <laughs> and that's one thing I've been watching this week. How much of it did you see, Dave? I saw like three episodes, and, and that's, that's pretty fair. Yeah, okay. and
2: it's like it's like I would tap out within an episode.
0: But I you, tapped you out at the
2: commercial. It. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I I, yes. I don't I don't think it's a great show because of mm-hmm. like all the uncomfortable thematic stuff, and also like I have to say, like uh, uh oh, it's also like morally reprehensible. Beyond that, like, apparently the. Uh, contestants are considering yeah. suing netflix because of mistreatment like the red light green light yeah. game was done outside and took hours and some of them got hypothermia and nerve it was damage. very cold apparently yeah uh the original creator of squid game apparently is not being fairly compensated for the show so there's mm. a lot of reasons Shocker. why the show itself is uh not great um and so yeah i, I feel very torn about the fact that i watch it and i'm talking about it but i have to give a mixed review for squid game the challenge Uh, And that's one thing I've been watching this week. Let's take a break for a sponsor. We'll be back with more uh, what we've been watching right after this.
1: It's time for me to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, Uncommon Goods. Hey, I don't mean to alarm you, but it's officially time to start holiday shopping. Don't worry. No need for panic. Uncommon Goods is here to make your holiday shopping stress-free. They have scoured the globe for the most remarkable and truly unique gifts for everyone on your list. Whether you're shopping for mom, dad, teenagers, in-laws, your best friends, geeks, Uncommon Goods knows exactly what they want. Let me tell you about one of my favorite gifts. My wife got me from Uncommon Goods. It's called the Love Box Spinning Heart Messenger. Now, I'm risking you guys all saying aww when I tell you this one because it's adorable. My wife a uh, pretty adorable person. This is a little wooden box that I have sitting right next to me right now, on my desk. And it's connected via Wi-Fi to my router, has a little uh, eight-bit-looking heart on the front. And my wife has a little app that she can enter in little messages to me with emojis and sort of stuff. And when I get one, the heart starts rotating. And shows me I have a message and I lift the little lid on the top of the the wooden box and I see the message and it warms my heart. It makes my day feel awesome. This is something you can buy right now. It's actually on sale right now uh, as a limited time offer at Uncommon Goods. And when you shop at Uncommon Goods, you're supporting artists and small independent businesses. These fine products are often made in small batches. So you want to shop now before they sell out for the holiday season. And Uncommon Goods looks for products that are high-quality, unique, and often handmade, or made in the United States. They have the most meaningful, out-of-the-ordinary gifts anywhere. From art and jewelry to kitchen, home, and bar, Uncommon Goods has something for everyone. Not the same lackluster gifts you always find everywhere else. Uncommon Experiences are more than just... Virtual classes, they're unexpected opportunities to have fun and connect in new ways from tarot card readings, romantic map making, cooking and mixology classes, and more. And with every purchase you make at Uncommon Goods, they give back a dollar to a nonprofit partner of your choice. They've donated more than two and a half million dollars to date. To get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com/slash Filmcast. That's uncommongoods.com slash filmcast for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer.
0: Uncommon Goods, we're all out of the ordinary. All right, Devon, your Horror, hit us up with something you've been watching.
2: Oh, sure. I'm plowing through all the movies I need to catch up on before the end of the year. And I have seen Saltburn, Emerald Fennell's second film. And uh, would you believe it's very divisive? <laughs> would you like another emerald finnell movie that is uh apparently getting everybody up in the discourse um i love this movie i think it is it is crazy like it is a wild uh maximalist vision of somebody of like a middle class person being introduced to a very high class wealthy lifestyle uh, it stars barry key as that um you know as that middle class kid who befriends jacob Bellordi and sort of like we don't know is is fascinated by this person and is invited to spend time at his uh at Elordi's uh mansion, basically, English mansion called Saltburn. I think this movie is a ton of fun. It's also very tricky. It's very twisty. And I find that really interesting. Like it doesn't go where you think it does? I think the initial setup is like, oh yeah, clearly, clearly what's going to happen is we're going to see this person, you know, the the good middle class person's soul get, um, you know, uh, corrupted, corrupted over yeah. time as yeah. he as he tastes the the fruits of the rich and that sort of thing. I I think it is doing very interesting things. I think it's the thing I think about a lot uh, related to this movie is The Great Gatsby, in terms of somebody viewing the upper class life, um, and so, almost sort of. Um, coveting it like being a part of it and almost wanting it but also it goes harder it's almost like Gatsby meets uh, Clockwork Orange in terms of how insane and wild it gets and I had a lot of fun with it um I have seen a lot of people get very mad at this movie because there are potential readings you could have, and hopefully we'll have a, a longer review at some point. There's certainly some. Well, we are some, doing
0: we are doing a longer review on the yes, After Dark this week. Yes, so that's true. You can tune into
2: uh, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we will talk more about that stuff. But I just want to say um, I, I I see those potential readings. Um, I also see other ways of interpreting this film, and I found it um really fascinating. And another like another example of Barry Keegan just being a freaking- freaking champ like he is he just really gives his all in this movie and also another movie of jacob Borlotti, just just being hot i guess being effortlessly <laughs> like oh my god is this man like just sent down from the heavens or something um also archie madeque is in here mr gran torino himself uh not Torino, garan Tur- gran turismo himself yeah so, <laughs> i was
0: like what i don't know yeah. um
2: yeah i had a lot of fun with it um I could see why people may why some of the subject matter may rub people the wrong way, but I also think it is more interesting because it's not giving us exactly what we're expecting. So I I really dug this.
0: I also had a chance to see Saltburn this week, and I also had a great time with it. It is heavily inspired by Evelyn Waugh's Brideshead Revisited, yes, which is a book that yes, became a yes. series. And, uh, yeah, it, it is basically Brideshead revisited with a twist is how I describe it. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I don't know why it, it there are specific readings yeah, that can yeah, make you very in, mad at this movie. It's interesting. Yeah. People, yeah. people are, are getting really, really upset about this, but yeah, let's, let's talk you know, Demigra, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious to see what those readings are. Maybe send me something, um. That that uh, people have written about it sure, about sure. why why they don't like it, but I mean, I, 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 I yeah, I, I can say great... something
2: that's not too spoilery, and a lot of people are thinking this is a movie that demonizes the middle class, and I don't don't quite think so.
0: Mm, interesting. I had a great time with the film. Uh, I agree with you. It's twisty. Barry Keoghan is amazing. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun, and uh, I, I think you know. I, I'll, I'll have more to say about it in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'll, I'll say, I, I think it's like, um, I don't know that I like took away that much from the movie. I don't know yeah, that like, I'm like, a good oh, time. These char- yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know that these characters went on like, uh, I don't know that any of the characters changed in any particularly interesting ways, but it's, I think uh, one, one it's an, inter- it's an interesting bit, time. But, you know. It's an interesting time at the theater. It's out in theaters right now. Um, and yeah, we'll be talking more about it in the after arc this week. So, well, sure
2: uh, I guess warning not a, not one to watch with your parents. How about that?
0: Yeah, not a, not a
2: family film exactly.
0: Yeah, or, or a movie to watch with anyone else that you know. I would argue. Um, but uh, yeah, that's Saltburn. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. available right now in theaters. All right, Jeff Canato, let us know what was something you've been watching.
1: I had a chance to check out the first two episodes of season five of Fargo. This is a series that I loved, loved, loved its first two seasons. I think its first two seasons are spectacular television. Uh, Season three, season four. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, this show really waned for me and it bummed me out because it's such a cool premise uh, in the fact that each season is is distinct and uh, features uh, invariably features awesome actors doing really interesting work and um, you know it often takes place in different time periods and then it has sort of these loose connections and sort of are thematically linked these seasons, but each is a self-contained story. And man, I just thought the first two seasons were so so good that it bummed me out that uh, season three and season four kind of you know uh, tapered off as, as far as my enjoyment. In fact, I don't think I ever even finished season four. It was, it got so long and kind of, it just didn't go anywhere. The storytelling was a little labored and it just, it, 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 bummed me out because this was one of my favorite series, but I'm always down to try uh, a new season because as I said, it starts fresh, it's a new story, it's a new premise. And I'm here to tell you guys season five, at least what I've seen so far is a return to glory for Fargo. Mm, nice. nice. These first nice. two episodes are friggin' awesome. I am telling you, so, so awesome. Uh, I am so down for this this uh, this season. It's you know kind of back in the heart of Minnesota with you know our our Fargo accents that we uh, <laughs> we know from the, both the, the film and the first couple of seasons of the TV show and it's it's got um uh, I mean, he has ham it has right? john Hamm, ham ham you know i love i love i love john ham's john ham um i love uh i love him i think he's kind of miscast this season Hmm. that's not to say he's not doing great work he's I, I don't know i i like the fact that fargo often casts people you would not expect in you know they often cast comedic actors in serious roles, and mm-hmm. and vice versa. Um, and I I appreciate that, right? I I think it's cool to see. You know, like Chris Rock was in season four. You know, there's there's like unconventional casting choices are common in this series. And uh, I think John Hamm is it, it, it kind of casting him almost a, against type. Like he's really cast as kind of this unlikable, badass hard ass guy. And he's chewing it up, man. He's doing it. But I feel like just cast the guy who's already that. Like, just give me that guy. (laughs) Like, I I get it. It's cool to watch. He's too likable. Yeah. Yeah. He's too likable. He's too funny and fun. And like, I can't not see that when I see him. And um, I, I appreciate the fact that Noah Hawley is often letting actors stretch. But, you know, I kind of was like, just cast the guy who's already that guy. Anyway, that's, that's a lot of talk about John Hamm. But he's he is not the, the main attraction in this. The main attraction is, um, man, I forgive me not knowing the, the actress's name. I'm trying to find it here on online, but it's got all the seasons actors, so it's kind of hard to find. But the uh, the woman who is in um, um Ted Lasso uh as the Juno Temple. She is fantastic. Uh and she is the heart of this season, at least thus far. And she plays, uh, you know, I'm not going to spoil anything, but she plays a a woman who is in this family of, well, let's just put it this way. Jennifer Jason Lee plays the matriarch of a family (laughs) who is introduced to us when they take their holiday photo, all holding AR-15s, right? So that's the kind of family we're dealing with. And- she gets herself into some some trouble. The, the first scene of the first episode, she kind of does something a little aggressive and it's her kind of reckoning with that. But man, where it goes and how awesome it is. I mean, this is, I think, you know, Fargo has always been, you know, every episode starts with the same title crawl where it says, you know, the events are true. You know, we, we've changed the names uh, of, the, of the survivors. Uh, we, we, you know... It, it, it it's it's tongue in cheek, right? It's not, it's not actually true, but it's supposed to feel grounded. And yet everything that happens is larger than life and kind of cartoonish, which is a kind of fun juxtaposition. I think this season goes farther than most, certainly farther than season four, which felt very grounded and sort of historically accurate, not accurate, but historical. Um, I feel like I'm doing a poor job of selling this season, but it's so good. And I don't want to spoil anything because it's such an entertaining the first episode i am almost guaranteed will hook anybody it is Mm. if you love exciting sort of uh you know it's 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 got elements of tarantino and you know just kind of uh violent but and it's got you know it obviously has cohen brothers dna in there too it's it's so Mm-hmm. thrilling i am on board for season five and i'm so glad to be in love with the fargo tv show yet again
2: you, you know what jeff i'm intrigued uh about this season mainly because of ham but also you guys know how i feel about noah Hawley. like it really does take a lot for me to get like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna give this guy another shot yeah is he is he gonna disappoint me as a storyteller or not and uh yeah the early reviews also seem good so i'm, I'm intrigued who knows where yep. the season will go as mm-hmm. i said i've only
1: watched the first two episodes but they have been wildly entertaining. I am in.
0: I had a similar journey with you, Jeff. I watched Fargo seasons one to two. Two was excellent. Mm-hmm. Right? She was two is phenomenal. So good. Yeah. Uh, and then j- kind of fell off the show hard. Uh, question for you, because it sounds like you've seen all the seasons. Is that right? I did or, not as I said I did not finish uh, okay. season four. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you've you've like sampled all the seasons, right? Yeah, yeah. I watched like, all
1: the first three seasons.
0: So yeah. so is there any so is there any continuity at all? Like can someone just hop right into season five? It doesn't matter, yes. they've never seen it. Yeah, they can just go hop right, right in. in. Yeah. Hop right there in.
1: There are hop there right are, in. I would I would I would describe the continuity as more of the Easter egg variety mm-hmm, where yeah. you know if you've if you're steeped in the lore of the Fargo series, you'll yeah. catch things. That right. others won't but it will certainly will not mean that you'll not be able to enjoy it there are, it's it's sort of loose dna that's shared between them you know characters that like oh that's the grandfather of a character right. from season two it's no- like red, red, red
0: apple cigarettes in quentin tarantino N- movies yes you know, it's, it's like
1: it is not nothing essential each season is a completely bespoke you know self-contained story um and I, I don't know, man, I, I, I'm very excited to see where this one goes. Cause I feel like there's a lot of really cool things being set up and it's already super fun.
0: All right. Uh, well that's Fargo season five. It's on FX Hulu. Oh, it's something. Oh, one one yep. thing
1: I do want to say is, um, <laughs> I mentioned, uh, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee is in it, which she plays a grandmother. In the show. Uh Uh-huh. Which made me feel extraordinarily old. Yeah. Jennifer (laughs) Jason Lee is a grandmother in the show. Mm -hmm.
2: Time comes for us all.
1: Oh, not Uh. cool. Uh, but she and um oh, what's his name from uh, Kids in the Hall? He was also in news radio. Dave Foley. Dave Foley, thank you. Uh, Hey, Dave Foley's back on TV. That's great. Dave Foley is in the show, and he is also playing. You know, a sort of against type, like this, he's like this super serious like fixer lawyer and he's got an eye patch, which I predict we will find out why he has that eye patch at some <laughs> point in this show. But it
2: really has to be between him and uh and uh what's his face in um I'm I'm thinking now. Um Okay. Does my brain is no, just That's okay. Slipping? At least I'm not the only <laughs> one that can't come up with names. Like not not thinking of names. The uh yeah, 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 yeah. Descri- can okay.
0: you describe and give us something to go off the in
2: No, Luke Skywalker. Also a Mark Hamill? Mark Hamill. Oh yeah, Mark as a, as, in, uh, in as a lawyer.
1: Yeah. As the the gruff gravelly voiced oh, yeah. lawyer. I would love that, to see
2: them go against in each fall, other. Like just fall two of the House silly dudes yeah. being well, gruff and weird. Yeah. So so it's Dave
1: Foley, like full white hair, you know, as he it looks now with this like white colored or like cream colored eye patch. So he looks ridiculous. He looks like he a he looks cartoon like a colonel. Character. He looks like Colonel Sanders. Yes, almost. yeah, and, and and he's in these scenes with Jason Lee, Jennifer, Jason Lee, and there's one scene. I I don't know if it's in episode one or two, where he's like, "Well, I've got to. I, I'm here. We're we're gonna talk about the thing," and she's like, "Yes, we do." And I was like, "What <laughs> what, what am I watching right now? If if these weren't." two uh-huh. very recognizable actors, I would say, like, this is the worst acting I've ever seen. Noah
2: Holly definitely takes some swings with yeah, a, every like project both he does.
1: Yeah, doing wacky voices and these broad characters, but I'm so in for it, I'm so, like, there for it, but I had this, mo- like, <laughs> my soul left my body for a minute and I was like, what, <laughs> I, what even is this scene? They're both like, well, no, 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 no. And I was like, what? this is nonsense. <laughs> but I kind of love that. I love that this show is playing in this sort of magical realism place and you know, things are, are larger than life. Things are a little cartoonish. Things ha- happen in outlandish ways. Uh, in the way that I love many of my favorite filmmakers do, you know, and I, so anyway, that all of that is to say, watch this show.
0: All right, right, very cool. Fargo season five. Uh, I will definitely check out the first episode, Jeff. uh, Yeah, I think you'll dig it, man. I think you'll be in. All right, um, folks, as Devinder mentioned, it's a time of year where we are getting a lot of uh, screeners in the mail uh, online, and so we are watching movies that uh studios want us to consider for end of year awards and such uh, but they might not be easily available when that happens we will talk about those movies on this podcast we'll try to be pretty light on the plot details uh and i mentioned that because i had a chance to watch ferrari which is a new michael mann film that's apparently coming out on uh christmas day mm-hmm. in the united states um Neon sent out their screeners. Uh, they actually do a really amazing job uh, on their screener box every year. It, it's really, I'm really impressed because it really feels like when you take all the movies together that neon releases in a year, um, it, it's like a 24, you know, they have yeah. very specific taste, and, it, it and, Every movie kind of fills some kind of niche in what they're trying to call. They're not they all put, they just put old boy in there. Okay, like, hey, by the way. We yeah. brought old boy back. Don't Which is like, what is it? What do they even want us to consider that for exactly? <laughs> that movie's been out for a decade. You know, like anyway. We um, did this. Yeah, you yeah, couldn't get old boy for a while. Yeah. We did this. We brought it back. There's no reason the old boy needs to be in that set. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh yeah, so we got the uh the uh, neon disc set and had a chance to watch michael Mans ferrari uh i don't even know if we're going to do a main review on this one but I'll, I'll i would love to do
2: a long review at some point because yeah
0: i will say that i was not a big fan of this movie oh um, man it, so this essentially uh it takes place during um like in the 1950s uh, adam driver plays enzo ferrari and uh it's during a critical time in the Ferrari business. You know, there's a lot of, it's a big inflection point as to like whether the Ferrari business will be able to continue. And he's trying to balance his personal life as well as business. Um, and I, I will say this, it's my favorite Michael Mann film in 20 years. Mm. Uh, it's my favorite Michael Mann film since collateral. I think we got to
2: reassess Miami vice, but yes,
0: yeah, yeah, that's fair. But yeah, it's, I, 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 uh, I think it's like a very decent, uh, biopic. It's, competently made the racing scenes look incredible but uh the through lines are like the the sort of plot and thematic through lines get a little bit lost in my opinion and i also think that michael mann makes a catastrophic decision to have every single character speak in a heavy thick italian accent Mm. and that does the film no favor so Ultimately, I wasn't a fan of this movie, but I again, I, I'm glad Michael Mann is making what looks like really expensive looking films, so uh, expensive, and uh, and that you know it's it's a pretty solid. It's like it's I like it more than Public Enemies. I like it way more than Black Hat. Um, I you know I'm, I'm glad Michael Mann is back, but I just didn't love this one. Davindra it sounds like you had much more positive feelings than me.
2: I do like. Uh, I I also received that screener set. Uh, you know, a humble brag, but. I was bummed because I really wanted to see this movie on a big screen. And I came away from watching this just being sad. I couldn't fully experience it in the best way because I think, I think this movie is incredible. I think it's, it, it's very much the Michael Mann thing of supposedly genius guy who's very good at his job, um, you know, try, trying to attain perfection or trying to attain something while balancing the emotional aspects of his life. And it, it is very within the Michael Mann template, but I also think, it is just really entertaining it's deeply i like i i was more emotionally invested in this movie than i was in oppenheimer which is you know the big biopic from this year that we're all talking about um the race scenes are fantastic it is so beautiful at times um also features one of the most horrific crash scenes i've ever seen put to film like th- th- this movie is doing many things it is broad and operatic in the way that so many of michael mann's things are but i I kind of love when he is in that mode because I also really like Miami Vice, you know, because I I think like things when he's working unconventionally, um, I think he just does things differently than other directors. So anyway, I was a big fan. I cannot wait to watch this on the big screen and hopefully we'll talk about it more at some point.
0: That's Ferrari. It'll be out in theaters in a few weeks. It's Michael Mann's latest film and a neon release. Let's take another break for a sponsor. We'll be back with more of what we've been watching right after this. All right, Devinder Hardwar, hit us up with something else you've been watching this week. Sure. I uh, checked out
2: Randall Park's movie, Shortcomings, which also came out this year. Uh, this is based on a graphic novel by Adrian Tomine, I believe. And um, guys, I I wish I liked this movie more because this is within the genre of dudes who suck, right? Movies about <laughs> dudes who suck. John Cusack made, made a career out of that, right? Um, <laughs> Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim is like a thing about guy who sucks um we watch these things and they're entertaining when the guy is interesting or endearing and uh uh, this is a movie about a guy who sucks uh he's in fact a film fan i think it's it's um he's a he's somebody who wants to be a director he works in the independent theater he um always smartest person in the room but also has an attitude of just like He he has anger issues. Um, He does not know how to communicate his supposed genius well. And that often comes down to just being an asshole to everybody around him. Um, It's interesting that this movie starts by making fun of crazy rich Asians, which I think is kind of a bold move. Randall Park. Um, Yeah, that that couldn't have been
0: in the graphic novel. But uh, have you seen this, Dave? I haven't. I've, I've wanted to check it out because uh, obviously, big Randall Park fan. Yeah, it's it's worth watching. I, I, I've heard pretty mixed things about. <laughs> it, I have to say, but um, you know, I, this dude you know. sucks. This dude really, really sucks. And I wish um, I feel there's, there's like one thing I hate. Is... If there's one thing I hate, it's dudes who suck. Kind of. I mean, maybe you'll find something to relate to here, Dave. I don't know.
2: Um, <laughs> oh, I feel wow. like this movie could have used another pass at making this guy suck less or at least making him a little more relatable or endearing or something because you know it's one of those movies where he doesn't appreciate his girlfriend uh she goes off to an internship and he's forced to like reflect on his life and himself and it really takes a while for any any lessons to be learned or anything and i just along the way was just like man I, w- I wish you had like an, a, a modicum of self-awareness or something. Um, pe- I, f- I feel like people just give this guy a big, um, they give him a lot of room to be an asshole. And I feel like characters aren't reacting naturally, you know, or organically to a character like this. I feel like it could have used another pass in terms of just making the girlfriend character and his best friend character and everybody just a little more organic. Cause a lot of it feels kind of contrived, I'd say, especially towards uh, the end. But it's it's funny. It's enjoyable. Sherry Cole is in it as his best friend, and I love her in uh, in just about everything I've seen her in. So, you know, it is a fun sort of romantic comedy watch. Um, but man, I wish it, it could have been so much more. It feels like a movie made for 15 years ago, I'd say, rather than, um you know, something that is reckoning with uh, the, the entire genre of dudes who suck. It is
0: just another <laughs> one of those. It's a shame. All right, well, that's shortcomings, and it is available it has many for shortcomings,
1: a real uh, a real DWS movie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is available right now uh, <laughs> on video on demand. You can buy or rent it. That's something Devendra Hardware has been watching. Jeff Kanata, you, along with me and Devendra, have all seen some episodes of the new Apple TV Plus series, Monarch Legacy mm-hmm. of Monsters. Is that correct, Jeff? That is correct, David. Monarch Legacy of
1: Monsters. The new Apple TV Plus show that you and I and Devendra have all watched some episodes of.
0: How many episodes have you seen, Jeff? I've seen two. All right. What I believe there are f-
1: three currently available mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, to the public. I don't know how many of you guys have watched.
0: Uh, I've seen two. Yeah. Yep. Same. Uh, so, Jeff, you know, this is uh, a show that takes place in the Monsterverse, you know? Monsterverse. Uh, was yeah. It was it, created. It's wild to consider that three of those movies came out, I think, right?
2: Yeah. Uh, they they have built a cinematic
0: universe, and they, now there's a TV show. I oh, have yeah. watched all of those movies. We have yeah, reviewed yeah. Yep. Yep. all have, of those we movies. We have literally yep. dedicated I, hours of our lives.
1: <laughs> to I genuinely to think... don't know if any of them were referenced in this show. <laughs> uh, like, I don't know if there are characters from them that I'm supposed oh, to remember. absolutely. I yes. mean, it opens yes, there with there a character it from, opens Kong with Skywalker Skywalker from Kong Sky Oh, yeah, no, I got that part. Yeah. Yeah. But like... Uh, <laughs> Let me just say, the
2: the details of that universe are not. Uh,
0: yeah, they're not at the forefront of Jeff no. Kinney. Yeah, well. and not... also
2: there have been uh, there have been four of those movies, by the way. Yeah, I yeah, watched that's all of Godzilla's That's, that's yeah. what I
0: meant. Yes, uh, watched all of those. Godzilla. Anyway, g- uh, yeah, go go ahead, Jeff. Go I ahead. will just say
1: I will watch anything with Kurt Russell in it. Yes, mm-hmm. I will watch anything with Kurt Ru- Russell in it. Kurt Russell shows up in the last ten minutes of the second episode. <laughs> How, Wyatt Russell, all over this bad boy. Uh, I like Wyatt Russell. I mean, as listen, well. what a what a casting blessing. So Come cool. Yeah. That's yeah, a cool that's, thing. That's a cool
0: idea. Yeah, I,
1: don't, I I kind of found myself going. Did we need to waste that on this?
0: <laughs> oh, Jeff, you don't. No, I, you, don't you didn't think "Monarch Legacy of Monsters" is a worthy uh, title for the the Russell? Family. You should, you to should have invest Kurt Russell come
2: back as an old captain, uh, the evil Captain America, right? Yeah, like that would I mean, be the if, big spin-off. Right. Yeah. If
0: if we're
1: gonna if we're gonna spend this uh why this uh, Russell Capital, I don't know if I want to spend it on this. That said, <laughs> spend
3: this Russell Capital. <laughs> yeah. I
1: uh I I found myself not hating this. Uh, I found myself uh I- into it. I think the giant monster stuff is the least interesting part of this show. Absolutely. Which yeah. is good, which is a good thing. Um the the first scene, the very first scene of this show, is terrible, like straight up terrible. <laughs> and I was very worried about what we were about to see. There's a scene with John Goodman at the very beginning that is bad, in my opinion. And uh, but then the show quickly like just doesn't do that very much anymore. Uh, it's like you know it. I will say this. It feels – this television show feels like a big budget multi, you know, $100 million mm-hmm. film.
2: It looks very expensive.
1: It looks yeah. very expensive. It looks very good. I was playing it in my home theater with great sound. The sound mix is rad. There's like uh, – it's, it's, it's a big bombastic like summer popcorn tent pole experience but multiple episodes of a TV show, which is pretty impressive to do. And I actually think some of the mystery stuff that they're setting up and the the fact that we're jumping between different generations, you know, as evidenced by the Russells themselves, this same character played by two generations of Russells. Uh, I think it's cool. Like we're kind of bopping back and forth between different time periods and, and kind of mm-hmm. building this mystery out. I'm I'm kind of into it. But there's also some really clunky writing, like really clunky. You know that thing where people turn to each other and say the thing that they both know for no reason other than to inform the audience of it? You know, like, Mm -hmm. well, we've been working on this for 14 years together. And this really is the moment where we're going to find out if we were right all along. You're right, darling. You know, it's like. What? Who are you saying that for? We both, everybody knows that. You know, people will not talk like that, <laughs> but, um, you know, I forgive it a bit because it's, you know, it's really trying to create that like popcorn movie experience. And I think it's actually doing a better job than many of the movies upon mm-hmm. which it is ba- or not based, but you know, the, this, this franchise's films, I think, uh, you know, I, I'm more interested in the characters in this than I have been in the characters of those movies. Because it's about mm. actual humans.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. It's it,
1: yeah. it, it, it really, you know, maybe it's a function of the budget or whatever, but it it's forced to spend more time with the people than the monsters. And I think that's a very good thing.
0: Mm-hmm. DeVindra Hardor, your thoughts on on Monarch Legacy of Monsters?
2: I'm I'm really digging it. Um I was not expecting much, but listen, all I all I need to be intrigued by a project is to like get Godzilla in there. <laughs> you know, like just let's, let's do something with
0: Godzilla. Um, let's add and Godzilla this, back into the mix. You let's, know? Let's, let's see, what, see what's what, going let's on see what with what Godzilla. There, yeah.
2: I think it is a really interesting look at um, the people affected by living who who live in a world where these freaking giant monsters exist, and they have to go through Godzilla alerts and um, how it affects them and everything. Godzilla, by our, the way, Davindra is the
1: original dude who sucks. You know,
2: he. I mean, listen, he he had growth. He learned <laughs> he over time. True. He did. Um, uh, listen, we'll get John Cusack in one of these at some point. Um, I I, I think it's really interesting how it paints the world that is reshaped by Godzilla and which you don't have to remember much of what happened in those movies, but you remember San Francisco got attacked and it kind of references that stuff. Um, but I couldn't tell yeah. if that was original footage or if we're
1: literally showing you footage from a movie I saw.
2: I think I t- part of it was from the first movie. Yeah. I think,
1: but it also it, it
2: doesn't matter. They have the money; they could do whatever they want at this point. I just think it is fa- it's fascinating that this thing exists at all because this is a sort of like just big budget playground that we never really get to with uh with monster genre properties. Um, also like the, the whole generational aspect of it really reminded me of Pachinko, which is a show I'd recommend, uh, you guys see and everybody should check out. But it's also very interesting to have that sort of like novelistic generational uh, framing with a freaking Godzilla TV show so I'm, I'm intrigued by a lot of what they're doing some of it's cheesy some of it's clunky um, I remember this was uh, co-created by Matt fraction as well yeah. the comic book author yeah. so you know that that has me intrigued he doesn't have any like written credits but I like these characters I like the the look of it and the vibe of the show and I want to see what they do with the the dueling Russell roles so I'll I'll ch- keep watching I think it's really fantastic, but it's not, you know, if you don't care about Godzilla, the show, will it's not going to make you care or anything, you know?
1: Well, I think it's, I mean, at least for the first two episodes, it's remarkably
0: not about Godzilla, mm-hmm. you know? But
2: if you don't give a crap about, you know, the Godzilla verse or the, yeah. whatever they're calling it.
0: You, you need to be at least into the Godzilla yes. milieu, you know? <laughs> you need to be Godzilla. you need to be into Godzilla mise-en-scene. Uh, if <laughs> if you Godzilla wanted. adjacent. I guess. Yes, yes, exactly. You need to be, you need to accept Godzilla adjacent material mm. um, into interior. your heart. to enjoy monarch legacy of monsters um yeah this just feels like a a weird historical artifact where Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's just it's just rare to have a huge successful series and then a franchise a movie franchise and then have them make a tv series out of it Uh, uh the only one that immediately comes to mind is like you know uh star wars obviously i think there's a fast and furious TV show like a cartoon, if I recall, you know, like, but it's just, it's just rare to have like a cinematic universe reached this far and be this ambitious and big budget. Um, so, anyway, well, Lord of the Rings, yeah, was it? What was the? T- oh yeah, right, 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 right. Um, Rings of Power, right yeah, yeah. Uh, i it's, like it's not like there's like 50 of those. Now, also, uh, those aren't connected. Those are two uh, totally uh, separate. John,
2: John Wick things. is doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's true. Continental. It's a new th-
1: it's, it's yeah. very in vogue these days. Yeah, um, yeah. I have another observation that I made about this show, uh, yeah. and, and really more shows like this in general. I realized while watching this that if I were at the center of a grand conspiracy, I would be completely without options. I Everyone in shows like this has a friend that they know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that sits in a dark room and has 14 computer monitors on and can hack mm-hmm. anything yeah yeah and I, all i have are you guys like i'd mm-hmm. go to davindra and be like can you ha- hack my thing and Divin'd be like dude just google it buddy come on just google it get out I mean, jeff
2: you have legions of fans who are in untold positions of power like you, you have reach but come i on. can't
1: yeah. give them my secret tapes and have them it, You're in incri- 1970s oh, this, digital tapes this encryption somehow? is from the 70s it's easy to <laughs> you know like i can't let them do it because then who knows what happens
0: That's true jeff is looking for his guy in a chair basically. i need a guy in right. a chair is what i need
1: right and, because you know you never know when a grand conspiracy uh shows up in a safe in your dad's house
2: you know that's true mm-hmm. uh shout out to kiersey clemens by the way who is playing the guy in the chair and i think she's great yeah she's awesome
1: but it's weird how that trope just like, is he just assumed there's always somebody <laughs> who's like, well, I know somebody, but ah, I'd hate to have to ask them, but I know them. And then we, we, <laughs> we, we, we have, have a, yeah.
0: stra- a strained relationship. And it's yeah. like, how past. do you guys know? I want to know that. Yeah. How do you, how, know? Do you
1: how, <laughs> how do these people always know someone that is like uh-huh. one of
0: the 10 greatest hackers in the world? How did your social circles <laughs> intersect? In <laughs> That's an, right. I don't, it doesn't add up. It doesn't add up that you guys know each other. You know? Yeah.
1: So. It does feel like in in particular the guy in this show who feels like a real wallflower. Kind you know? of a wet blanket, this guy. Yeah. 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 And then she's like
0: the coolest chick <laughs> right. on He's earth. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what? Yeah. Make and it make sense.
1: <laughs> she's pining for you? <laughs>
0: what? Get out of here. Her? Get- <laughs> More like him. Yeah. <laughs> him? Him? Yeah. Alright, anyway, Monarch Legacy of Monsters. Make your guy-in-chair storylines, or in this case, gal-in-chair storylines, uh, be more plausible, folks. Mm-hmm, There's, please. Uh, nothing, that, nothing that rips you out of the reality of a movie more than guy-in-chair. You know, um, Spider-Man, with uh, Tom Holland, Spider-Man, with uh, yeah. that uh, that Asian fellow. That's his <laughs> friend. Right. <does> that <laughs> wow. <laughs> Genki. Yeah, uh, yay representation, Dave. Yeah, Jeez. um... Well, <laughs> I, I think I have a, a, a Jacob Battleon who plays Ned in those movies. Yes, Ned. I'm going to tell you guys, it is one of the most irritating things uh, of of my TikTok experience that every, every time I get a TikTok that goes viral. Somebody says, Ned from Spider-Man in the comments. Really? And it's like, we wow. look fucking nothing alike. <laughs> nothing alike. <laughs> they do, they don't, don't say podcast from Ghostbusters Afterlife? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Just because we are both kind of large Asian men who have bald heads
3: does not mean we're the same individual.
0: That okay? kid from Up grew up. Wow. <laughs> the kid from Up? What? It's like, please consume more media with Asian men. Okay? That's, my, that's my response. All right. Anyway, rant over. Rant Shall over. we on fat? <laughs> Benedict Wong. Okay. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Daniel Day Kim. That's what I want to hear. That's what you All need. Right. Hey, then you won't be complaining anymore. don't <laughs> be complaining, right? Oh my god! Everybody thinks I look like Daniel <laughs> Kim. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's right. That's right. Anyway. Monarch Legacy of Monsters on Apple TV Plus. All right. Uh, Jeff Canada. Uh, you have been watching something else as well, right? Yes, this is not a new movie.
1: I think it came out in 2021, I want to say. I mm-hmm. had not seen it. Uh, my wife and I found it while browsing around on our new quest to kind of find more documentaries to add into our life. Uh, and uh, she and I are both big Tom Petty fans. And this is a Tom Petty documentary that I had not been aware of called Tom Petty, Somewhere You Feel Free, uh, which is a line from um, one of his songs on the Wildflowers album. and. This is a documentary about the creation of the Wildflowers album. Evidently, somebody followed him around with a, uh, a sixteen millimeter camera while they were making that that, mo- that uh, album in the early nineties, and never intended wasn't making a movie about it, but it was just sort of making home videos. And then they got a hold of these uh, in you know in the the twenty twenties, and put them together with a bunch of interviews with people who were there at the time. Uh, members of the Heartbreakers, um, Rick Rubin, the producer, and and lots of other folks, uh, and kind of had this retrospective on the Wildflower album, an album I consider to be perfect. Like, I, there are not very many complete perfect albums in my in my estimation. Wildflowers by Tom Petty is that. And I was so uh, honestly surprised and kind of um, pleased to hear that Tom Petty himself considered Wildflowers to be his greatest achievement. He thought that it was the best album he'd ever done, at least according to all the interviews in this in this film. Uh, and um, it's an incredibly cool look into that creative process and a, a songwriter that I think is, in the top echelon of, you know, rock and roll songwriters of all time, Tom Petty is an amazing talent and, you know, gone too soon, sadly, died of an overdose. And this, this documentary was created after his death. So a lot of the people in it are talking about him uh, you know, wistfully and with um, you know, I think they were more inclined to tell stories and and be forthcoming with with memories of him in the creation process of this album because they were speaking to him after his death. And and so, you know, there's there's like a, a reverence there. And I, I just found it to be really interesting. Uh, the music is so good and it really goes into each song and how he created each song. And the movie is sort of partitioned kind of like the album itself into each, you know, each song. It, it comes up with the title of the song, plays the song and um, kind of goes into the, what went into making that particular track. And Wildflowers was such a fertile period for, Tom Petty, that it was going to be a double album. They had so many songs and it's probably why it's such a perfect album. They were able to pick just the best of the best. And um, I found myself in the past week, you know, revisiting that album, listening to it a lot. It's so, so good. It's so good. And uh, I think this is a wonderful, if you're a fan of Tom Petty or if you're curious about his music, I think this is a cool way to see, what made him special and how great that album was is
0: gotcha so that's tom petty somewhere you feel free and how did you uh, watch this jeff i
1: i believe it's on amazon prime streaming i believe that's how i found it but i but don't quote me on that it's, yeah it
0: looks like it is available on prime so yeah um yeah uh, that's uh tom petty somewhere you feel free on prime video and that's something else that jeff cannot has been watching Let's take one final break for a sponsor. We'll be back with more and our review of Napoleon right after this. All right, folks, let's get to weekly plugs. Weekly Weekly plugs, a part of the show each week where we plug something else we've been making. This week, I want to give a shout out to my free newsletter, Decoding Everything. At decodingeverything.com, I wrote a very harried blog post about what I'm thankful for this year. I I basically wrote this post on Thanksgiving Day as we were preparing for my entire family to arrive at the house, uh, and then started to arrive. (laughs) Like,
1: what are you doing in there?
0: (laughs) It literally, I was. We need to clean
1: the house. I was
0: literally sitting at the kitchen, like kitchen island, with my laptop, trying to like dash this thing out.
1: Never misses a Um, chance to make some content,
0: Dave. Absolutely, Um, Devendra. What's the what's the most intense? sort of blog post you've ever had to write? Like, is it like from CES or from like intense. some kind of Apple event? Uh, like, wh-
2: I mean, when it's like real time, when it's like, yeah, okay, I'm at yeah. this thing and we didn't get any details ahead of time. So, you know, it's probably CES or probably some sort of Apple event. Oh, you yeah. know what it was? It was a freaking Vision Pro because <laughs> I I tested that thing. And I wrote for eight hours straight.
0: Mm. So that. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. you're like one of the first people in the world. Yes.
2: I'm like, oh, my God. Pressure. Pressure. Right. Move, move.
0: Yeah. 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 Amazing moment. Anyway, this was almost like that in the sense that my in-laws were coming over, you know? So Yeah. Just uh, as important as a DB product. <laughs> yes. Anyway, check it out at decodingeverything.com. Devinder Hardwar, your weekly plug.
2: Oh, sure. I'm off uh, for the a uh, few weeks right now at Engadget, but I do want to point folks to the Engadget podcast. I've gotten some kind words from uh, the After Dark we did with uh, Mr. Kelvin Redvers. And if you want to hear me do more interviews with folks or just talk about tech, check out the Engadget podcast.
0: All right. Yeah. Uh, and I, yeah, I I was going to shout that out in a moment, and I will do that. But Jeff Canetta, hit us up with your weekly plug.
1: Well, I said this one last week, but it bears repeating. There are only, I don't know how many shopping days till the holidays, but we're in it. We're in gift-giving season, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm here to help because I have put together uh, some of my favorite things uh, on an Amazon storefront. You can find it at amazon.com slash shop slash Jeff Cannata. Uh, and uh, it's got a wide-ranging groupings, wide range of things. I don't know. I didn't say that very well. Anyway, it's got a bunch of different uh, topics, including... Kids toys, things that my kids have enjoyed, learning stuff for them, uh, household items, stuff my wife loves, uh, my podcasting setup, board games, uh, things that helped my daughter with sensory issues that she's experiencing, all kinds of cool headings that might help you uh, get gifts or or buy things. And uh, I do get a commission for anything you purchase there, so it it does help me out. Uh, Check out the the listings and maybe you can find some cool gifts for the holidays, amazon.com slash shop slash Jeff Kanata.
0: I of course always want to give a weekly plug to patreoncom slash film podcast where you can find ad free episodes and exclusive after darks. Uh, we have lots of fun conversations on there. Uh, Divinder Hardar recently had a conversation with uh, filmmaker Kelvin Redvers. We got a conversation about Saltburn. <laughs> coming up for you at patreon.com slash film podcast. Huge thanks to everyone at patreon.com slash film podcast who makes this show possible. Of course, we never want anyone to donate. If it in any way causes them financial hardship, you can always support us for free. Leave a star rating for us on Apple Podcasts or just share about the Filmcast. It really does help. Let's get to our review of Napoleon. General, we
3: are discovered. Good.
1: Wait.
0: Drink! I'm not built like other men. Welcome to the film cast review of Napoleon, the newest film by Ridley Scott that's out in theaters right now. I'm going to read the plot summary of this movie from IMDb. Napoleon is, quote, an epic that details the checkered rise and fall of French Emperor Napoleon Bonaparte and his relentless journey to power through the prism of his addictive, volatile relationship with his wife, Josephine, end quote. So, obviously, Napoleon is a real-life figure. We may make reference to events that actually occurred in reality. Uh, we will try not to spoil... Although this movie doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> uh, we'll try not to spoil things about how the movie handles uh, you know, the story, particularly in the last act and at the very end of the film. Uh, all that said, Devinder Hardwar, you and I are... Scott heads from way back. Sure. You know, big fans of Ridley Scott. I'm sure Jeff is too. Yeah. yeah. Come on. I mean, we're know, all part of this club. I yeah. think he's had a mixed record, you know, like not Jeff, late. Uh, Rid- Ridley Scott. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, like he's, he's pretty hit or miss, but what, what you can definitely depend on in general is that he will have a really great eye for action, a great eye for sprawling scope. Um, so all that said, Really curious what he would do with a movie like Napoleon, where he's Mm -hmm. reuniting with Gladiator star Joaquin Phoenix, playing a very different character this time. What did you think of Napoleon?
2: You know what, guys? I think I've unlocked every recent Ridley Scott movie, and it's basically X, but what if they were a little freak? (laughs) (laughs) Really? That's the last duel? (laughs) That's uh, that's the 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 Italian, the Gucci movie. Mm. That's so you many. Really s- Scott's trying to tell us something, Da mm. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Like in his, uh, I also feel like uh, you know, I, I think of Ridley Scott movies all the time, but especially the Replicants and Blade Runner, uh, asking for more time, right? Demanding more life, and I almost feel like a lot of these projects are him just like being, I want to make things, I want to make as much as possible before I can't make things anymore. Um, that being said. This is an interesting movie about a little freak, and uh, especially um, Joaquin Phoenix. I think is very you you can't really take your eyes off of him. And I'm not sure, like I think it's just because it's very interesting, but I have to say I did not like this movie very much. Like I really wanted to. Um, I am out here. I am one of the Kingdom of Heaven defenders, especially the director's cut. The theat- the theatrical cut is kind of a mess, but the director's cut is one of Ridley Scott's best movies. So I'm always trying to unearth that like secret. Uh, maybe the longer version would be better. Maybe there is more good that we're not seeing here, and maybe there is. He said that there is a four plus hour cut that could be coming to Apple TV Plus at some point. I'll probably check that out. But what is here is just feels like a really by the numbers historical epic. Um, I don't. There's none of the like great battle moments of like unleash hell from gladiator i don't think um the battles themselves are shot and it, like the scale is cool it's cool to see so many people uh involved in a big action sequence but um yeah i just feel like there's not much really happening here i don't get much insight into napoleon bonaparte as a person other than he's a little freak sometimes he's a little power hungry uh, He has a weird relationship with his wife and i think vanessa kirby is very good but yeah this movie spends a lot of time telling us things that happened, but not like why they happened or why we should find some, find any of this to be really interesting. Uh, maybe for people who are always devouring you know historical bio uh historical biographies and things like that, like maybe people more into the history would be down with it, but also, I hear this is not very historically accurate, so I feel like they'd be pissed too i'm I'm a little unsure who this movie is actually aiming
0: for at this point right i think that's a great question Devindro. because uh first of all ridley scott has been on a (laughs) let's just say interesting pr tour i I don't even know historians i don't even know how to describe it but yeah he's just basically like (laughs) f them history f them historians like whenever people are like "Uh, i'm not sure if this is accurate he's like historians are losers. Have you ever met a historian you wanted to hang out with? Like that's basically I'm paraphrasing. But he also that's throws the
1: screenwriter under the bus too. He's like, yeah, I <laughs> yeah. could have yeah. read all those history books about Napoleon, but that's for the poor bastard that had to write the right to screenplay. <laughs> yeah.
0: He is line. really unapologetic about making the movie the way he's made it. He doesn't seem to care about pleasing anyone at all other than himself, which is fine. Um, but, you could have just
1: named the movie Un-Napoleon.
0: <laughs> I do think it's interesting uh, that, yeah, like I, I know people who are really into Napoleonic history uh, and they mm-hmm. seem to not love this movie because it's like none of the stuff they wanted to see is in the movie. And so if you are into Napoleon, maybe you don't really like the movie that much. And if you're not into Napoleon, maybe the movie doesn't offer you that much to uh, latch on I will say, I really think we're probably going to witness another Kingdom of Heaven situation.
2: So. I'm always hoping for it to be, be- better. Right, the
0: four hour cut of Napoleon has been confirmed to be heading to Apple TV Plus at some point. That sounds when, like a threat, actually. When, ca- when Kingdom of Heaven first came out, people uh-huh. were like, "This movie is a mess. It's not very good." Then the extended cut came out, and people said, "This is really great! Wow, why wasn't this the original cut?" I fear well, we it are was in over for-
2: three hours long. It was very, very long. I think yeah. we
0: are in for a repeat of that dynamic where uh, I think one of the many reasons why this movie isn't that great is because uh, there's just a lot of uh, gaps in the story that are, are not filled and it's mm-hmm. just like what what happened between these two events um, and I do think we will get some more context when the four hour yeah. director's cut is released. So- I would
2: just like to stop saying that like we've been doing this honestly even since Blade Runner right like there, there are <laughs> different cuts of Blade Runner
1: yeah. movie now, a why is it so maybe a little hard. better over time. Yeah. Why is it so hard to cut the movie? <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, they gave Martin Scorsese three and a half hours. Could, mm-hmm. could he not have cut it down from four hours to three and a half hours and released sh- the whole thing? He should have yeah. done the
1: bone apart, not the bone a hole. You know what I'm saying? Wow. wow.
0: Yeah. Wow. I don't even know if I would have throw it to you after that, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> That's your <laughs> review. Yeah. Jeff Kanata, what did you think about Napoleon? Well, Dave,
1: I guess you could say what I thought about Napoleon is best summed up in the mm-hmm. form of a limerick. It plays fast and loose with what's true and the spectacle adds no value. He's a filmmaking master, but this one's a disaster. This film's Ridley Scott's Waterloo. Wow. (laughs) Wow.
2: You
0: you did not like this at all. Jeff.
2: Wow. I,
1: I think if you just want to see pure spectacle, it delivers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The, ability of this filmmaker to shoot large scale war scenes yes is unrivaled yeah unrivaled agreed it's agreed. extraordinary but they are completely devoid of any meaning mhm there's you say oh well maybe the uh the 4 hour cut will flesh out the story there's no story <laughs> the guy wants power <laughs> there's no th- yeah. this is like uh, Napoleon's greatest hits. It's yeah. like just flashes of moments, some of which didn't even happen in real life. Uh, there's a whole sequence of breaking the ice, which is complete myth. Like didn't happen at all. <laughs> there and was pretty, a battle
2: in Egypt, and that looks pretty cool. Look at show that one. Yeah,
1: <laughs> he didn't even show that one. It just shot. They're just shooting at the pyramids. Yeah. There's no battle there. That was there's a no big battle. moment in Napoleon's life,
2: evidently. Yeah. It did look cool <laughs> shooting at the pyramids, though. <laughs> Dude, this movie there's, is there's like There's an article
0: in the, the New York Times entitled, Napoleon didn't really shoot cannons in, at Egypt's pyramids. Oh, come uh, on. It looks way, cool, cool it. though.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the, this is like if, if I like showed up at a Civil War reenacted reenactment <laughs> with no knowledge of the Civil War <laughs> and was but, uh, like trying to figure out what's going on.
2: You saw mm-hmm. Django Unchained, right? You have a vague conception <laughs> right. of it. Or <laughs> there's like no that. Yeah. this
1: movie, you said it right, Davindra.
2: There is no insight. There is there's
1: no there there. Mm-hmm. It's not attempting to do anything other than depict like they're just putting things on screen. But there's no I I guess there's some attempt at creating this dynamic between Napoleon and Josephine. Mhm. And you get some sense that, they, that that relationship is the defining relationship of his life. But there's no, you, you don't understand why this man is important in history or how he did any of the things he did. They just sort of happen. And there's no, there's no insight. There's no understanding. There's no context. It's just like, hey, this happened. And now he's running through the palace. Why? Ah, you'll figure it out. And now there's a war. There's a battle. Does he want to be there? I don't know. How how did he get there? What's happening? Why is he even fighting? Oh, now there's a couple of dudes sitting at a table going, "This Napoleon. We got to deal with him. Who are they? What's going on? Who cares? Look at the big shiny explosions with, with the cannons that evidently didn't even work like that. It's like, what even is this? What what is the point of this movie? There is no there there. And Joaquin Phoenix, you're right. He's a watchable. He's undeniably movie star watchable. And good at being a
2: weird little dude. We saw three hours of that this year already. He makes no
1: concession to the fact that he is in a period piece.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: He is completely modern in all his mannerisms speech patterns there's no like this is a movie about a bunch of french people and they all have english accents except joaquin phoenix who just talks like some dude i met on the street yesterday he's just completely colloquial and uh uh uh, you know modern and and it, it's so weird like all of his affectations are so contemporary and it which it, it, it feels dissonant and odd and like why does why does everybody have a british accent it's like the it's like really scott's like well in order for american audiences to buy this it happens in a different mm-hmm. country we need to cash cast brits
0: like but can they I, were, they can were I... british can I defend the movie a little bit? I, I hate that you're putting me in this position because I did not wow. really like the movie very much either. But if I'm to defend the movie, first of all, I would much rather the path they chose, which is basically everyone just speaks in their own native accent, mm-hmm. than everyone speaking a French accent. Like, I, I, mm-hmm. th- that is far superior, this path, than the other one, right? Which But well, like, then why do you ev-
1: cast a bunch of Brits?
0: I mean, that's odd. I will give you that. French give, people. I will, give, I will give you that. Or or have everyone speak in the same accent. But I, I'm reminded of um, uh, The Death of Stalin, if you saw that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That was an interesting approach where he was delib- like deliberately, the director said, um, no one is speaking in any Russian accent. Instead, everyone speaks in whatever their own accent is. And there is a wide variety. There is like some people who are like, that, you know, and, and that reflects that there is a diversity of different accents, even within Russia and Fair. so on and so forth. It was very, it's very That's like. That's not what this movie doing. I, I agree. It's, it feels less thoughtful in this yes. movie than, yeah and, than and I, movie. I, yeah. and I don't even mean like, I'm not
1: saying, hey, uh, Joaquin Phoenix, you needed to be speaking
0: with their French accent. They're not that
1: I'm a Napoleon. You know, I don't want that. <laughs> right. No,
0: I get it. I get it. Uh, but you, I, you, but I, he's like the cadence, the cadence mm-hmm. and the, you know, yeah. It's the, so. The syntax. It's, he's right? like a dude, bro. Yeah. He's
1: like a yeah. contemporary. It's there's no there's no concession to the fact that, you know, three hundred years ago, four hundred years ago, that oh I don't know how long we were. What is it? What what year was it?
0: Uh, my it was math a couple, will be a couple hundred. It was like couple hundred fifty years ago. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, that
1: perhaps the rhythms of speech were a little less relaxed. Sure. You know, like yeah. Yeah. it's. The the way he is sort of he and it, it, it just feels like a very contemporary yeah. performance.
2: It's which, the boats line, which people have been memeing out. But you think you're so special because you have boats? You, <laughs> that's every podcaster, the, you know, right now.
1: <laughs> yes, and I get it. That's a, it's intended to be funny. This movie yeah. Yeah. is yeah.
0: intended to be funny numerous times.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I don't so, know why. So again, me defending the movie, but I think that how like, dare you? How I dare think you? that right, they're trying to make it like uh give Napoleon and this time period the VEEP or right, 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 um right. the thick of it or uh you know um in the loop treatment, right? but it's, only, it's like only occasionally that time. I agree. I agree. That's mm-hmm. that's weird. Like mm-hmm. it's weird that it's basically, you know, 60 to 60% that and then 20% these massive action scenes and then 20% like these really weird romance scene 20% him life, right?
2: uh, yeah. aping MacGruber's sexual position like <laughs> yeah. the the Magruber yeah. what it's, is he's doing
0: the, anyway jeff I, uh, jeff i guess i'm saying i don't think it was entirely successful but i do think they were trying to do something mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying like i, I don't so, know about that yeah. I, I, okay. I think okay. that
1: i i feel like this movie was an extraordinarily labor intensive thing that feels lazy right like it is this dichotomy of I can see the incredible amount of work and dedication it took to put that level of skill on screen, and yet it also feels extraordinarily lazy. It feels like, what are we even attempting to do here? I, I, I have a bigger problem with this. This movie isn't terrible in the way that terrible movies are terrible. It's terrible in the way that movies that could have been great are terrible,
3: mm-hmm. Yeah, it,
1: which I yeah. find sometimes even more offensive because it's like, wh- what was holding you back from actually doing the good version of this? Nothing.
2: I feel no- like he's hustling. Like they at some point during the interviews, he was like, um, I made several movies while Martin Scorsese was working on killers of the flower moon. Right. And like, right. it seemed almost like a judgment there. Like, you know, quantity being more important than quality. And I'm like, dude, you know great art takes time but it does seem like he's pumping things out these days
1: yeah i i just i just found the whole endeavor to be questionable like what what are we supposed to gain from watching nearly three hours of this mm-hmm. it, it, it is what am i supposed to come i have no understanding of how napoleon became napoleon we watch him start i mean the movie you know it's not like I'm I'm starting a bunch of sentences. I'll actually finish one. (laughs) Spielberg did something very smart with Lincoln. Like he named his movie Mm -hmm. Lincoln, but it's about a very narrow window of time. And so you can dig in and have a lot of detail with that, obviously based on a novel that, or not novel, but a a book that did the same thing. But the the point being, he didn't attempt to like start Lincoln at the beginning of Lincoln's life and give you the entire breadth of, of Lincoln, even though he called the movie Lincoln. Napoleon, it's just, biting off way more than it can chew and it collapses under the weight of just so much that there's nothing there's so much there that there's actually nothing there we don't we don't gain anything we don't understand anything he's off in exile we don't understand anything about that he's he's back from exile how did he do it i don't know he just showed up on a ship and told the dudes he was gonna like why didn't he do that day one like what what is even there's no cause and effect on display in this movie at all it makes no sense to me and it's a shame because the the level of filmmaking is so high mm-hmm. the 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 command of the medium on a visual level is unparalleled like what you see is spectacular but to what end it it i don't know i'll I'll shut up now but i i just i'm wildly disappointed by it mm. and one last thing yeah. you know looking back you talk about da Vinci, i think you brought up Uh, or no, maybe David was, uh, brought up uh, Ridley Scott's oeuvre. Mm -hmm. And I find since 2010, I think there's one movie of his that I've liked. The Martian? Yeah. The Martian. Oh, I also like The Counselor, but you guys didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, Oh, man. But like since Robin Hood in 2010, which not great either, but like American Gangster, you know, Good Year, American Gangster, Body of Lies are like 2006, seven and eight. Good movies. Robin Hood, not great. And then we have Prometheus, The Counselor, Exodus, Gods and Kings, The Martian, great movie. Alien Covenant, All the Money in the World, The Last Duel, I know you guys liked, I did not, House of Gucci, and this.
2: It's like, what happened? Yeah. It's the scripts. Like if, When he has a good script, I feel like this dude can
0: fire, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah, He's not, he's not someone that I, you know, there's some directors who I, I feel like are intimately involved yeah. in shaping the story yeah. for the, for the better. And from what I hear, he's either not intimately involved with in shaping the story, or if he is, it's to make things look cooler. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. that generally doesn't serve the broader interests of the story. Yeah. I mean, we
2: so, had a conversation with Damon Lindelof like a while ago. And like one, one of the things he mentioned offhandedly was like, you can't really tell Ridley Scott no
0: <laughs> if right. uh, if yeah. you wrote something some way and he wants to change it. Exactly. Like, and he, it, it's Ridley he Scott. Kind of, he yeah. kind of heavily implied in my, Damon Lindelof didn't say, but he kind of mm-hmm. heavily implied that many of the issues that people had with Prometheus were because of what Ridley Scott wanted to do. Um, yeah. Th- that's just conjecture. I, I don't know really what the behind the scenes there was, but yeah. Uh, yeah. He's had a mixed track record for sure. Uh, obviously he's also delivered some of the greatest, you know, yes. epics of our time. Uh, and not just epics, but, yeah.
1: but like, Great, sm- I mean, like Thelma and Louise, yep. it's an amazing yeah. movie. Yep. You know, that, 80s that's and not 90s a spectacle were, movie were
2: killer. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: All right, uh, I will share a couple of quick thoughts, and then we can do spoilers. But I, I was also pretty disappointed by this movie. I-, I echo a lot of what Jeff said. I'm less down on the movie than Jeff. What is this movie about? It is about Napoleon's relationship with Josephine. That's mm-hmm. kind of what it is about. Now, is that an interesting story that most people want to see? This movie made around $30 million this weekend. It got a B-minus cinema score, which is really bad. Uh, so I, I don't. I think the answer is no. I think this will probably not do well this month, is my guess, uh, after the word gets out that the, the movie is not what people are interested in. But it's also but, not
2: meant to, right? Because it's ultimately an Apple TV Plus
0: movie, right. right? You know, it's a lost leader. But yeah. I think... Uh, Uh, it's ultimately about this relationship and what is there of the relationship is relatively interesting. You know, I think both actors acquit themselves pretty well. Um, and, uh, and you see that like, Oh, Hey, this guy who wanted to be emperor of France and is taking like his kingdom stretches from like this part of the world to this part of the world. Like he couldn't get his home life under control. And yes, it's a story we've seen many times, but like uh there's something inherently interesting about that dynamic i don't think it's done particularly well i mm-hmm. think for for all the reasons Jeff said, like the way the story is told and edited makes it feel very disjointed um but I do respect like there there was a take there it it wasn't successful um
2: mm-hmm.
0: but there was a take the The biggest thing that I am disappointed by beyond what we've just discussed is. Look, I'm a big Joaquin Phoenix fan. Bo is afraid. I'm like one of the 18 people that like loved that movie, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, yeah I, you gotta really set this up. Like you liked Bo is afraid. Bo is you afraid. Know? <laughs> Fearless performance I think is amazing. Wow. Um, I do not think he was the right person to play hmm. Napoleon because there's something really interesting about somebody who's like in his 20s and 30s figuring all this stuff out. Like imagine sure. that's being true. Like that's 31 true. and like you're like leading an army into battle. It's like, that's just like, mind-blowing to consider and like how 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 would a young actor kind of tackle that task there's something really like inherently interesting about that that's completely lost what keen phoenix almost Mm -hmm. 50 years old you know like it's all it's it's, it's
2: really hard to top i think the best napoleon we've ever seen on screen right the the one from bill and ted
0: (laughs) so true so true yeah he was Uh, a lot of fun uh yeah but you know i'm saying like it it just he's too old now though mm -hmm, mm -hmm, he's He's old old. now imagine someone who looks like really young playing this character and like them needing Mm -hmm. to balance like all these different things, their own ambition the weight of their country's expectations their relationship with their wife Like, that is in my opinion like an interesting dynamic inherently that like because they cast Joaquin Phoenix they couldn't do Um, so ultimately I didn't get much out of this movie but you know the the epic should have been what's act- his name from the bear? Yeah, Jeremy Allen White is that everything. Yeah, yeah. Maybe too yeah,
2: large, no. too big. No. Short. <laughs> he's short. No, he's he's just short. You need good. like I, I don't know. Was apparently actually short, but he was definitely like had that energy of like you know. Dealing with not being as large as everybody. else.
0: I will say yeah. I love the fact that Joaquin Phoenix's version of Napoleon like has the hat on like yeah. for ninety percent of the he movie. He has the that's entire a, right, military outfit on. Him. He, yeah. Yeah. There's
1: never a, I, I was trying to find a single shot where he's not wearing the full military outfit.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and I do think that's like a, that goes to build the character, you know. Yeah. and there's a lot of like nice funny mo. It's trying to be kind of be a comedy when it's not on the battlefield, which is really mm-hmm. weird. Like, yeah, this is a really weird choice. Uh, but there are, like, a handful of really funny moments in the movie uh, that I did enjoy. So I don't think this movie is devoid of any merit. I think it's, there are some things that are worth checking out about it. But it's certainly, as you said, Jeff fails to live up to its, its potential as, like, a searing or insightful look into Napoleon's life or why he did what he did or w- how he did what he did. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think...
1: Yeah. When you when you go into a biopic like this, I, at least I, I want to come out of it feeling like I have some greater understanding mm-hmm. of the yeah. historical information. Yeah. And I just feel like this movie completely fails in that task.
2: Yeah. What did you guys think about the sort of like uh, meme advertising campaign for this movie? Which is a thing we've seen more and more. I feel like Tar, I don't know if that was directly mm-hmm. pushed by the studio, but those clips like, oh, uh, you think you're so special because you have boats. Like that is a line that is... I believe like circulating that clip is circulating. It's on TikTok. Um, yeah. this movie has been chopped up into the fun <laughs> meme parts, and that is what's out there in the marketing. I think that is a little, that's just a little weird too. Like, I guess we can't help it. That's the world we think, live in
0: now. But yeah. I don't think that's weird. I think where it will start to become a concern is like when the movie starts being made for yeah. those moments. You yes. Know? Maybe yes. they already are, but like yeah. it, when it when it's like, oh, we need to put this line in because it's going to play great on the TikTok that we're going to use to advertise mm-hmm, the movie. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're already doing that. You know, I remember Chris McQuarrie saying like every day he tries to get one shot for the trailer of the mission impossible. Yeah. Movie, you know, yeah. like, and so, it's kind of just like the next level of that in my opinion, you know? Yeah. I'm I mean, not bothered. I'm not bothered by it because it does fit with the tone of the movie.
1: We all lived through you know? snakes on a plane. It's not new, yeah.
0: but, but well, it, I would be more bothered if it didn't fit with the tone of the movie at all. It, it's, but it's very like, it, mm-hmm. it is advertising what you get in the movie, you mm-hmm. know? So, does it concern you, Divendra? Like I mean, worrying? it's it's does see,
2: it is part of the sort of like dumbing down of how yeah. we discuss movies and everything too. Like, if you if all you see is the memes, which is even a less substantive uh, mm-hmm. version of like what to expect than a trailer, it's like what. Then you you I don't know like are you gonna be annoyed that the entire movie isn't all meme quips like that I don't mm-hmm. know it That's just why feels the B weird minus
0: on Cinema Score maybe exactly where, like where were the boat lines in the we cinemas. need more boats <laughs> yeah nothing, we need more boats all
1: right I I have a yep. a real quick anecdote um I think regular listeners of the podcast uh, have heard us discuss before that uh, part of the regular experience of going to press screenings is that as we leave the the uh, yes. PR agent, uh, yeah, they ask for your opinion on, they the, will yeah. ask for, your, you know, a couple of sentences yeah. of what, what you thought mm-hmm. we've actually uh, discussed this before. And I have made it a point yeah. to do that now. Awesome. I was admonished by, by David to, uh, <laughs> to, I'm sure they appreciate it, Jeff. I'm yeah. sure they appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, came out of the Napoleon press screening and walked, you know, beelined it to my, uh, to my PR representative and they went, we don't need to know this
0: time. <laughs> <laughs> looking at his face, looking at Jeff's face. <laughs> is it because, is it because you didn't like it or because they, no, didn't... I think
1: they just weren't taking yeah, opinions. Yeah. Like yeah, Ridley like, doesn't. My heart can shit. only <laughs> take so much. I'm really crying already. Gives no shits what you think. The people behind so... this
0: movie are Ridley Scott and Apple TV Plus, And yeah. they do not care. Don't waste <laughs> <what you're>... both <laughs> of our times. And it won't be read at all by anyone. So let's That's just awesome. Yeah. I love that I love that Alright Alright well uh, Let's get to spoilers For Napoleon Starting right now I thought of an ending For my book It
1: makes no damn sense it compels me though I
0: didn't come here To tell you How this is going to end When I buy a new book I always read the last page first That way in case I die Before I finish I know how it ends You
2: can't handle the truth Inconceivable I came
0: here To tell you How it's going to begin I don't know if there's anything we want to talk about at the end of this movie. I will say, you know, the movie has, I think three to four big action scenes.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: You know, there's that siege on the wall at the beginning. Uh, There's the, with the cannons going through the ice in the middle. And then there's Waterloo at the end. And every single one of those sequences is incredible. Like I was so grateful to be able to watch it in a theater. Uh, and waterloo is like yeah uh, mm-hmm. really well done like you 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 can under i think the way the film shows it you can understand why he would have failed horribly in that scene yeah. right like and there there's some like really
2: good revealing character stuff there too like in the in the first battle he is like i feel like he feels almost like i got to get up there right and he runs like i'm going to be a hero <laughs> horse gets obliterated that was amazing that- when Horse's the horse- last day before retirement. Poor horse. <laughs> you know? Um but there there's one a last sense, job for the horse. One last job. Um there's a sense that he's always trying to prove himself, you know, and that you kind of see that in the battle scenes. And then by the end, it's sort of like, oh, I've made a huge mistake, but I'm going to I just gotta commit to it. It is very much uh, also Fastbender's character in The Killer, right? Like don't don't admit your defeat. You have your philosophy, you know, you have it set, you just gotta keep going. That's it. Yeah. Stick to the plan. Don't improvise.
0: You know um one of the ways I tried to figure out what this movie was about was via the text in the last yes. scene of the movie. Like mm-hmm. the 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 ending of a movie, the end screen where they show you the text can often be a key to what the movie was trying to say. <laughs> now hopefully <laughs> hopefully, you get to the end and you're like, "Oh yeah, that that makes sense." Oh you, that's why Poochie left. Yeah, that's, that's why. Yeah. That hopefully, that you get to sense. the end and you're like, "Oh, that that's I understand why." they The did final that. shot of this movie is me in the theater trying to stay awake <laughs> for the screen. Like, <laughs> yeah, the final oh. shot. The final shot is Napoleon falling over from the back, right? <laughs> keeling over, and then and it's everybody
2: like, in my theater is like, "What?"
0: <laughs> um, now, in a in a in a worst case or uh, uh, not as good case scenario, you have a situation where. I'm like trying to suss out like what they're trying to say with the end credits or the uh, Mm -hmm, end text. mm -hmm. And essentially it it said, you know, in his life, Napoleon led these battles and it shows you like all these battles, you know, this battle, hundred thousand dead, this battle, like 300,000, you know, so in his whole life, like millions and millions dead. I'm like, Huh. Uh, that's a, <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. That's huh. a new, that's a big number. That's a, first that's of all, a really big number. It, it yeah. gave me like a window into like a different version movie? of this movie, yeah. where yeah. like that is the focus of the a movie, movie, which is like a point. Yeah. Which is essentially, I think, if I'm to intuit what the text is trying to be about, it's like, oh, um, Napoleon A in real life is a very controversial figure because. Mm-hmm his actions led to the deaths of millions of people. Yeah. Right? What and is like, the cost of one was man's that ambition? Worth it? Was that yeah. worth it? Yeah. What is the yeah. cost of one man's ambition? Great question, Devendra. I wish the movie had kind of addressed it in any meaningful way. Like, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really, every cost that is incurred is shown through his perspective. It's, yeah. you don't really see, oh, millions of people die. Like that's news to me. I, get, I mean, you see that going into Russia, that's a miserable decision. And obviously that was bad, but like, you don't see the magnitude of the loss that is inflicted mm-hmm. by Napoleon because of his actions. Yeah. Um, so that's just a really, a really weird. I was like, was that what, the, is that what the four hour cuts going to be about? Like that, that <laughs> was know. kind of what I was asking. You know, I like, hope so. Did, did you yeah. guys ever see
2: Oliver Stone's Alexander.
0: No, I know there's oh. a there's a director's cut of that movie that was there is a
2: director's cut, but that's also watching I saw that in theaters too. And that's another like big um ambitious biopic with huge battle sequences, with some like not entirely successful, but I do think that movie was at least trying to do something operatically that this one quite wasn't. It's also interesting because Napoleon's almost c- comparing himself to previous leaders yeah. too. Mm. I sort of look at these movies uh, you know, together in a way. Uh that's a fascinating
0: film. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's so much you know, people have described this movie as feeling very edited to shreds. And mm-hmm. I do, I, you know, Jeff, it sounds like you're like less curious than ever to watch the four hour cut. Yes. I'm like really intrigued because I'm like, Oh, there's all these like interesting. Yeah. Uh, uh, tidbits, like his interactions with that guy, it was it Zara Alexander, whoever that guy that he was yeah. like fighting. And then he became like friends with him and, or whatever. The, you know?
1: I think he's also the main character in, um, Catherine, the mm-hmm. or the the great, the, the great. show, the great, mm-hmm. mm, yeah, uh, which yeah, is a yeah, great yeah. show. Um, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I, I, <laughs> and it's like it just feels like we get like three to four scenes with him, yeah. and I'm like, what? What is going on like there? They barely three hours, they hate each other. We yeah. don't know why. Like, what? What happened yeah. there? Like, what? We mm-hmm. got to know. There's got to be more information there. You know, like that's what I feel. Anyway, yeah. Um, but Jeff, I, you're I, not, yeah. I
2: would be. Let me just say, I would be excited for the director's cut. I hope it's actually better. But I. I do feel like I gave this movie nearly three hours of my life. You know, yeah. it's like, I got to right. do that again. <laughs> right. And uh, with more, uh, with the hope that it gets better. I'm, I'm just going to wait for those early reviews, I guess. I'm with
1: yeah. uh, DaVinci on this one. I, I I, feel like, you know, fool me once. I, mm-hmm. it's a, I just have zero confidence that the, the movie gave me no, very lo, little confidence that the filmmakers actually were attempting something mm-hmm. that is of interest to me. Um, and, and that bums me out. Like I, maybe there's some way that an edit and more footage
3: Mm -hmm.
1: changes that, but I, I don't see a path there. I just, it felt like. It, it, you know, It really it felt could, like a could, mess.
2: Could it be the Kingdom of Heaven director's cut, or could it be uh, that extended version of Australia, which is now
0: on Hulu, because Baz Luhrmann had a lot of time during the pandemic, you know, <laughs> turned the movie
2: into a miniseries. So. Which
0: I've heard is actually pretty solid. I'm, I'm planning to, I you know, to watch it and discuss it here on the podcast. I'd like to see but some yeah. of it. But um, yeah. that's a
1: That's another sort of grander point mm-hmm. that I feel. I don't know if you guys... Yeah, agree I, I want to hear
0: that. But just to clarify, oh, like uh, Baz took Australia mm-hmm. and then recut it into a six-part series that's available on Hulu. It's called Far away Downs. Yes. Uh, I'm really excited to check it out because I actually was a fan of Australia. All right, Jeff Kanata, go ahead. What were you going to say?
1: Well, it kind of relates to that. What, what I was going to say, I don't know if you guys agree with this, but I it feels to me, especially this sort of older generation of filmmakers like Scorsese and, and Ridley Scott here, they're sort of, um, I mean, I guess they've always pushed the envelope with length of film, but it feels mm-hmm. like they're so resistant to enter into the prestige television mm-hmm. format when their subject matter would just benefit so much from being episodic. I really discussed
2: right. on a lot of TV shows is the thing. Like well, he's, he's a lot, put, he's a lot of first episodes of a TV show. To get that <laughs> he's, sweet pro- he's executive check. produced a whole bunch of shows. So yeah, yeah. I, I
1: just, I just think that a, a project like this, if you mm-hmm. want to do all of Napoleon's life, Give me four, yeah. five, six episodes of a thing. Yeah. Like maybe then, that
2: four-hour cut will be four episodes. Like it could just yeah, end up like that. Maybe. Yeah,
1: I, it, 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 it's a shame because I wish this movie either just took a narrow view of a mm-hmm. of a few yeah. years of his life and really went into detail on it, or allowed itself to be a, a series that where each episode can be a chunk of the life. Because it just as is, it just it, it doesn't feel like it does service to any part of his
0: life. I mean the. The poster image of Napoleon says he came from nothing, he conquered everything. He came from nothing. That's not in the movie. Used to me, you know, it's not even in the movie, right? Like, he says
2: to his brother, I was like, We don't want people to think of us like little thugs from uh, where is it?
0: Right. Of
1: course, but it's like like you don't
0: really see that part of his life really. Yeah, we start with him as a general, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, and, uh, but Jeff, I would say that the number of, of filmmakers that are resistant to that is probably like single digits at this point.
1: Like I think it's a, a very yeah. specific generation of filmmakers.
0: Right. But like, uh, you know, Scorsese doesn't want to do that, obviously. Right. Ridley Scott doesn't want to do that. But Quentin Tarantino did it. Quentin Tarantino, one of the like preeminent defenders of the film going experience, right. was like, let's cut up. Uh, uh sorry hateful eight right, right for Netflix so uh Baz Luhrmann's doing it for Hulu um I think Fair. we're gonna see it more and more uh, often that you know these filmmakers uh, are open to it so which we'll isn't see.
1: to say I don't like a film experience I just feel like th- these these ones that are sort of bursting at the seams and and overwrought and past three hours and stuff like that yeah. it's, it It just feels like why, why, why force that format when you have this other one available to you?
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I if I had to guess, I think, you know, these filmmakers came up in a certain generation where like movies were the big thing and, you know, and that's, and, and they are, they are where Epic storytelling can take place. And I think it's, it's hard to get away from that mindset. Um, that your movie needs to be seen in a theater and you can't have a six-hour-long movie that's released nationwide, you know, in Mm -hmm. general. I Um, mean, it's
2: it's nothing new, though. I mean, freaking... Old older films, especially in the seventies, like we're past two and a half hours all the time. Amadeus is almost three hours long. Like it's, it is a thing. It's it's not exactly a new thing. If anything, the sort of the idea that we should try to slim those stories or extend them to TV or something, I think that is the newer thing. And yeah, well, the difference is
0: the difference is now that. Uh, we've seen what a six to ten hour long story sure. that's but high al- budget can be. You know. Also, and- the
1: difference is is there's the option for that. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You didn't. I mean, you, I guess you had things like Roots in, in, in right. the you know early. 80s. It took a while. Like yeah but yeah. It, but now, now there's rare. like h-
0: there's hundreds of them. Hundreds. Right. Mm-hmm. You can watch hundreds of, without even leaving your house. Now that's the difference, right? So Yeah. yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, despite everything we have just said, <laughs> at the end of the day, it is really impressive that Ridley Scott made a movie. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slash filmcast at gmail.com. Find us on YouTube and Instagram and other platforms at The Filmcast Pod, as well as at the Filmcast on TikTok. And uh music for this podcast comes courtesy of Tim McEwen, who wrote the theme song. Our weekly plugs and spoiler bumper music comes from Noah Ross, who also edited this episode. Next week on the podcast is going to be the new Todd Haynes movie, May, December haven't seen it yet uh but i've heard amazing things about it strap in uh yeah. so it will be on netflix it will be our main review for next week uh and i think it's gonna be pretty interesting be pretty pretty, pretty pretty interesting um conversation and uh yeah uh so look forward to that uh it'll be streaming on december 1st evidently uh on netflix and we will have our review for you <laughs> shortly afterwards so anyway Tune into the After Dark, patreon.com slash film podcast for our saltburn conversation. Until then, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you later. Goodbye.